Mark chapter 11. Let's all stand real quick. I'm going to get to the scripture. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you all, uh, or I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this scripture. Thank you for responding to the faith that is already in the house today. I pray that you would just do something miraculous. I believe the miraculous has already taken place, but Lord, I pray that if there is more that you want to do in the house today, do it. We're getting out of the way, God, and we want you to have your will right now. Whatever need is in here, meet it according to your will today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I just want to talk for a little bit about um, even a little faith. This portion of scripture started to stand out to me because um, we've all heard that the scripture, you know, say to this mountain, be removed and it'll be removed. You know, we've, we've heard that before, but what really stood out to me in this scripture was when Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. What's interesting about that is that God is saying, believe that you received them already. And then he says, and they will be granted to you. Because that's what faith really is. When you start to read the scriptures, faith is such a powerful component in our walk with God for two reasons. Number one is that it propels a believer to action. And number two is that it attracts God's attention. So faith, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine on Friday. And now that I look back, I guess that was God trying to prompt me on what what to talk about. But I was having a conversation with my friend on Friday. And he said that uh, the more that he reads the Bible, the more he realizes that God is attracted to people who make moves towards him. God is attracted to people who act in faith. And he actually, he cited this one portion of scripture, which is James 2.26. It says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. I'm not talking about works to salvation, but what we have to understand first is that faith, uh, although the world ascribes the definition of faith as just a belief system, have anybody You know what I'm talking about, like what faith are you a part of, what do you believe, so on and so forth. Can I tell you today that that is not faith? That is a belief system. Faith, we have to divorce the word faith from belief systems because that's not what God is talking about when he says, if you have faith, you can say to a mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. If you have faith, you can ask and pray and thank God that it's already been done. Faith is different from just a belief system. Faith in the Bible spurs a person to action. Faith says that I'm going to take a step 
even though I can't see what's going to happen. Faith is what Peter walked on when he walked to Jesus out of the boat. It was faith that was holding him up on top of the waves. At God's word, he took a step believing already that he was going to walk on water. And that's what Jesus was saying here in Mark 11, is that if you pray and ask in faith, believing that it is already done, it will be granted to you. Because faith uh, informs our mind to say that even though I can't see this working out, even though this situation is totally bleak, I'm going to believe that God already answered my prayer and that he already healed my body, that he already uh, put my mind back together, whatever it is. But that's what faith is. Faith, the word, literally means one who has been persuaded to be completely loyal and faithful to God. It's actually persuaded to fidelity. That's If you translate to the Greek, and fidelity means an undying loyalty to somebody. That's what faith is. Faith is seeing God work in our life, even in the small things that persuade us to trust in him regardless, to trust in him even when it doesn't look like it's going to work. That we have full fidelity. We have dedicated our lives to serving our creator. That's faith. See, it is different than just a belief system. And think about the, these examples in Scripture, specifically in the New Testament. We see the woman with the issue of blood. What did Jesus say healed her? He said, by your faith, your faith has made you well. The fact that she believed already that God could heal her, that's what made her well. When you were talking about the blind man, in Luke 18, it, we find blind Bartimaeus. If you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard messages preached about him. But Jesus says the exact same thing to him. Regain your sight, your faith has made you well. Your faith. So I want to tell you today, and this might be review for a lot of us, but even a little faith unlocks the miraculous in the supernatural world. Even a little faith. Jesus describes uh, when, when he's actually talking to the disciples, he says something when he talks about the grain of mustard seed. I don't have this scripture with me, but I, just, I guess I feel led to talk about this. The grain of a mustard seed, when Jesus says, if you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed, and it will be. He was responding, actually, to the disciples' lack of faith because they said they had faith, but Jesus said, if you had faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed. You could have said to this mountain, be removed and it will be removed. So a lack of faith puts limits on God. Doubt puts limits on God. But even a little bit of faith can remove the limits on the supernatural. Even a little bit of faith can make healing come out of heaven and into somebody's body. Even a little bit of faith, you can see the supernatural in your day-to-day -day life. So it's faith that unlocks the miraculous. But I have a question. What happens when you encounter a situation that really stretches your faith? Because you might be thinking right now, maybe some of you are in a really difficult situation. I don't know. 
But if you are, you might be thinking right now, well, that's all well and good to be able to preach like that when you're not going, any, going through anything. It's all well and good to talk about faith when everything is going right. So the question that I pose is, what do you do when you're in a situation where your faith is stretched? I mean, where you might feel like you, all you got left is a grain of mustard seed of faith. I want to take you to a, a story, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, the very first part of that chapter is the Mount of Transfiguration. But Mark chapter 9, where we're going to pick up is verse 14 through 16. And when they came back to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, capital H, talking about Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked, what are you disputing with them? So the context of this scripture is right after the Mount of Transfiguration. And if you read that part, Jesus is up on the mountain and you have Peter, James, and John there. The other disciples were not there. It was the inner circle with Jesus. So Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain. Jesus is there. He's transfigured or in our terms, he's transformed uh, into a glorified Jesus. Actually, the Bible records in Mark, I thought this was interesting, that Jesus' robe was so white that no launderer on earth could have gotten it that white. <laughs> like, it, he was perfect. Uh, and, and then you see Moses and Elijah standing there with Jesus. So Peter, James, and John saw this miraculous thing happen. And then they're coming off the mountain, and this is what they're walking into, this situation. Right after a powerful mountaintop experience, I mean... Peter's like, hey, let's just, let's forget everything and just build three tabernacles. Let's do something with this miraculous thing we just saw. Well, they come off the mountain and the other disciples, so the other nine, is that 12, three plus nine? Yeah. The other nine are arguing with the scribes. It's, imagine this. You just saw the most amazing, powerful thing in, in your life, Peter, James, and John. They just saw Jesus clothed in white. I mean, the picture of the way we see Jesus in Revelation, the white robe, the, you know, just powerful in all his majesty. And then they come down right into an earthly carnal argument between the disciples and the scribes. And Jesus asked them, what are you guys arguing about? Well, what was happening here is that there was a man in desperate need in Mark chapter nine, desperate need. This man had brought his son to the disciples to rid his son of a demon that was causing his son to convulse and flail on the ground and was trying to kill his son. It, it, the demon would throw his son in the water and in the fire. And the, the dad actually says, well, Jesus asked him, how long has this been going on? And the dad says, since he was a child. So the father had been living with this for years. For years, this demon causing his son not to be able to talk, Jesus calls it a mute spirit, and this demon that would cause him to go into just these seizure fits. And, and, and the dad, as a dad, I can, I can imagine being in a situation like that. Your child is in trouble, and there's nothing you can do about it. 
I'm sure the dad did everything he knew to do to try to fix this situation. I'm sure the dad probably took his son to doctors. I'm sure the dad probably took his son to the Pharisees to try and figure out what was happening, to try and fix his son's uh, issue, and nothing, nothing would work. So the dad just lived with this for years. And that's what the disciples and the scribes were arguing about. Because the dad, the father, brought his son to the disciples. So this is the picture. You have a dad in need that has an impossible need. You have disciples who should have been able to fix the need. And you have scribes who were arguing that there was no way to fix the need. You talk about a hopeless situation for this father. And this isn't the first time the scribes disputed Jesus' power. Right, You remember the, the paralytic man when Jesus said, your sins be forgiven you? And they're like, well, who can do that? And Jesus says, just to prove it to you, I can. I'm going to heal him too. And in, in Mark 8, the Pharisees required Jesus to show them a sign in order for them to believe. So they had, they had already had interactions with Jesus and with uh, the disciples and questioning Jesus' power. And... What's interesting, though, when you read into this story, the man brought his son to be, for the demon to be cast out by the disciples, and obviously the disciples couldn't do it. Think about this from two different perspectives. Number one is the father. Finally, he saw an opportunity for hope, and he brought his son to be healed by people that were walking with Jesus and were known to have power over sickness and over demons. And they tried and could not do it. You talk about getting kicked when you're down. I, the dad, I, I finally had hope, and now that, that hope seems lost. They couldn't help me. And then you have the scribes. I just imagine the disciples and the scribes going back and forth. The scribes just saying, see, I told you. I told you Jesus doesn't have any power. And turning to the crowd, look, the people who walk with Jesus, they can't do this miracle. And I hear the disciples defending Jesus and saying, no, we've seen it happen. We know Jesus can do this. We know that we've seen miracles. And them going back and forth, all the while the dad standing in the back of the crowd with his son laying on the ground, convulsing, listening to these two groups of people just argue about whether or not a miracle could happen. That's not a great place to be in. But what really speaks to me about this scripture is that I have been in those situations. And I know that what's amazing about the Bible is that it is so human and so raw and so supernatural all at the same time that you can read a scripture like this. And I'm sure every one of us in here can identify with being in a situation where you thought you had hope and then it seemed like the hope died, where you thought that something was going to happen and it didn't happen, where you asked for healing and it didn't happen. And we've all been in situations like that. That's what's so powerful about this story in particular. And I remember the first time I read it, I just cried because I could identify. So Jesus says in Mark 9, 19, Jesus answered them after the dad stood up and explained what was happening. Jesus answered them. Them is referring to the disciples. Jesus answered the disciples and say, 
Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. <laughs> you know, this isn't the first time that, that Jesus scolded the disciples for their lack of faith. Because I, I told you before, when Jesus is talking about the grain of mustard seed, he's saying essentially to the disciples, you don't even have faith the size of a mustard seed. Because if you did, you could have done this. That's not the context of this scripture, but I'm just sharing with you. And then when they were in the boat after, the five, after feeding the 5,000, they were all upset because they were in a, in a storm. And the Bible even records that the fragments from that miracle were in the boat, and they still didn't have faith. So Jesus is, is uh, honestly fed up right here. Like, you unbelievers, how long do I have to be here with you? You've seen all of this happen. You've seen all of these miracles, all these signs, all these wonders, and yet you still lack faith. Well, then Jesus says, bring him to me. All we have to do when we are in a situation that requires a miracle is bring it to Jesus. That's it. Bring it to Jesus. Because when we do that, that's mustering up. Even if we just have a little bit of faith, that is walking in faith to be able to say, Jesus, I don't know how this is going to work, but I give it to you. Because all we want to do is try to fix and control and hang on. And all Jesus says is put it in my hands and I'll take care of it for you. But Jesus says, bring him to me. And as the boy comes to Jesus, he goes into another fit. The demon throws him on the ground and he's flailing. It actually seems like, like seizure type activity. He hits the ground, he gets stiff, he starts to flail around, foams at the mouth. And Jesus asks the dad, how long have you lived with this? Or how long has this been going on? The dad explains, it's been a while, this is what happens. And th this is what the dad says. Mark 9, 22, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. That sounds like the plea of a desperate father that is hanging on to his last bit of faith, even a little faith. He says, God, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us. Jesus' response to that is powerful and profound because the dad was saying, if you can do anything, if there's anything you can do, just do it. And Jesus says, if you can, he responds to what the dad says, if you can do anything, Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for him who believes, for the one who believes. And I remember reading the father's response, and this is what brought me to tears because I can identify with this. Mark 9, 24, the dad responded and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. I do believe, help my unbelief. What the dad was saying ultimately is I have a little bit of faith. I have a little bit of faith that I'm bringing my son to you. But I have had so many times in my life where I believed God was going to do a miracle and it didn't happen. I brought him. I've lived with this for years. I've brought him to the disciples and they couldn't help me. I've, I don't know what else to do. So I, I do believe that you can do this, Jesus. Help my unbelief. Bolster my faith. You know what is amazing 
is that God, Jesus, God in flesh, did not scold the Father for his lack of faith. Do you know what he did? God cast out the demon. Even with a little bit of faith. What this tells me is that little bit of faith that the dad brought his son to Jesus with was greater than the faith that the disciples were operating in. The father was saying, I believe, so I'm giving him to you, Jesus. I believe, just help my unbelief. Help me in the areas that I've struggled, where I've lost hope, where I couldn't see this working out. But I still believe with the last little bit of faith I have, Jesus, do a miracle with it. Can I tell you something? That if you find yourself in that situation, God will respond to even a little faith, even if it is the size of a mustard seed, Jesus can work with that. It doesn't matter how many times hope has been dashed, dreams have been dashed. It does not matter. If you hold on to that little bit of faith, Jesus can work with that because faith unlocks the miraculous. Faith brings miracles to happen here on earth. It is through a little faith, a little faith. Man, you talk about what happened here. I don't know where everybody's faith level is, but the prayers that we prayed were electrifying. The prayers that we prayed, you know why? Because they were mixed with faith. The Bible says that the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Bible promises that if you operate in faith, God will do the miraculous. And this father, what a human moment to experience. I believe, just help my unbelief. I'm struggling with this, but I believe. You know, there are some people that just have really high faith. And some people that don't necessarily have high faith. The Bible says that God gives everyone a measure of faith. The Bible also says that the gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit. I had a, a friend of mine who cuts my hair. He, we were talking about this, and he was telling me about a friend that he's been ministering to that he's been talking to about the Bible and he was saying that his friend just like struggles with faith having you know enough faith to just believe that Jesus can forgive sin that Jesus can heal that Jesus can do this and that and he's like have you ever experienced that do you know what I said yeah I have experienced that my friend on the other hand he's like I've never never not had faith I'm like brother you probably have the gift of faith because we're all human. And there are times where we, where we go through in our life where we have been like this, Dad. I believe. Just help my unbelief. I don't see how it's going to happen, but I'm going to muster up just that little bit of faith. You know, my grandfather, I want to tell you this. I'm, I'm wrapping up. I know I'm not going to be long, but my grand, I was having a conversation with my grandfather. Um, my, my grandfather was the one who, uh, well, my grandparents, I should say, on both sides of my family, actually, were the ones who brought our families into church. They, my, my papa, Frank, and grandma, Berta, that's my dad's parents. They came to faith when they were young marrieds. And I, I, so he's been around a long time. He's in his mid to late 70s. He's seen a lot. He's lived a lot of life. And he's been having these health issues. He had a quadruple bypass surgery. I had, how many years ago was that, Tosh? Huh? Four, four or five years ago. 
And the surgery went fine, but then coming out of the surgery, one of his arteries collapsed, and he was on a ventilator for a long time, and uh, we didn't think he was going to survive. Well, he pulled through, but he has been extremely weak, like ever since. It totally drained the life, the vitality out of him going through that, and he's really struggled with that. So the past couple weeks, I've been talking to him on the phone, and he called me one day, and he was having a rough day. He was having a hard time. He was, I could tell he was on his oxygen. Um, he had been really broken up, and he was just saying, like, I, this just really bothers me. I don't see how, you know, this can get any better. I, I, it's really hard to live this way because he's essentially at the point where he would get up and walk out to his car and need to put his oxygen on, like, just really tough, you know, and he, he's struggling with that because even four years ago before the quadruple bypass issue, I mean, he was out working on cars, rebuilding cars in his early 70s, you know, like he was good health. But he said that he was talking to one of his friends and one of his friends who's also older in his 70s told my grandpa about a time that he was going through uh, this situation with church issues and, and relationship issues, and, and it was bad. Bad things were going on, and he didn't know how people were going to forgive and repair relationships and move on, and it was dark. And my grandfather's friend was just praying, and he said the first time he ever heard God speak to him was at that moment, and he said, God, I don't know what to do, and God responded to him in his spirit and just said, watch me work. That was it. So my grandfather's friend was telling my grandfather about this, and he's telling me this, and he goes, like, I, I just don't, I don't know how this is going to get any better. But my friend was telling me that God gave him a promise, watch me work. So that's kind of where that conversation ended with my grandfather. Fast forward about a week, he called me back. And we're talking on the phone, and he was telling me about, you know, he he's goes to church, and usually by the time he walks from the sanctuary to his car, he's got to put his oxygen on, and it's, it's hard. He's struggling getting to church, you know, struggling with praying and just reading his Bible and stuff because all these health things. He said that the pastor called for an altar call, and he got up in faith and walked down to the altar, which is a struggle for him, and he leaned up against the wall and just started praying. And then he felt a little lightheaded, so he went and sat down on the front pew and just sat, like, right here and just prayed. Not really praying anything specific, but just, you know, thanking God, just enjoying being in the presence of God. And he said that he felt something change around him. My grandfather, 77, I think he is. Is that right, Tosh? 77 years old. He said he felt something change around him. It started getting warm and tingly and just... So he just sat there and didn't even pray. Just sat there and felt it. Just enjoyed it. He said the pastor came over and talked to him for a little bit. He told the pastor what happened. And then he got up and walked out to his car. He got in the car and realized, I can breathe. He drove all the way back. It's like a 30-minute drive from church back to his hometown. Drove there went and got groceries, went and picked up something to eat, got home, and he didn't need his oxygen. And when he sat down at the table with his wife, my grandma, he said, Berta, I don't know what happened to me at church today. All I know is that Jesus touched me. 
All I know is that Jesus touched me. A week prior, he was struggling with his faith. A week prior, he didn't see how this was going to get any better. And fast forward one week, God ministered to him sitting on the front pew, not even praying for healing, but God says, watch me work. Watch me do something. I'm going to touch your body. And since then, he has used his oxygen maybe two times. And this has been a whole week. This, the oxygen has been a daily necessity for him. And he still says, God touched me. God did something in my body. He might not have healed me fully, but now I can get up and walk and I can do the things I want to do. I can be outside. I can be in the yard, so on and so forth. So what I want to tell you through all of that is even with just a little bit of faith, God can work with that. If you bring him just a little bit of faith and a need that you have, you watch the door to the miraculous open up because it will. I believe the prayers that we prayed for healing right here are already done because the Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. It's already done in my mind. Let's all stand. I got one more thing to say about faith. I got one more thing to say about faith. You know what the first step of faith is? Salvation. That's the first step of faith. Because Hebrews chapter 11, I didn't give this one to you, team, I'm sorry, but I, I put it in my notes. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. The first step of salvation, or the first step, yeah, of salvation is faith. And the first challenge to faith is salvation as well. So I want to extend this offer to anyone who has never been baptized in the name of Jesus and never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Today is your day. If you can muster a little bit of faith to believe that he exists and that he is one who rewards those who diligently seek him, he will reward your, uh, your little step of faith today. I believe that he can fill you with the Holy Spirit, just like Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I believe that 100%. So that's first offer. We're going to op open this altar in a second. If you have not experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit, bring your faith to this altar and it will happen. The second thing is that if you still have a need that we did not pray for before this message, if you still have a need, bring it forward with even a little bit of faith that you can muster. Because Jesus is here and all he is saying is bring it to me. Bring it to me. Bring your faith and the problem. Put it in Jesus' hands today and you watch the door to the miraculous open. It will blow your mind. I have seen God heal my body time and time again. Y'all might not know this, but I was on blood pressure medication at age 17 due to a genetic issue. God healed me from that. I have not taken blood pressure medication since I was 17 years old. God healed me from that. So I believe that God can heal God can provide, God can save, God can do whatever you need him to do because he even said, I am that I am. That's what he called himself, the I am. Whatever you need, I am. That's what God says. Whatever you need today, he is. So today I wanna to open this altar. If you, like I mentioned, if, if you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, today is the day, it can happen with faith. 
And if you need God to do the miraculous, today is the day it can happen with even a little faith. So come on up. We're going to pray together. If you have a need, why don't you just whisper to the person next to you and ask them to pray for you or flag somebody down because faith unlocks the miraculous. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for all that you've done, God. I pray, Lord, that as people take the first step of faith towards you, that you would honor that and do something miraculous. Lord, we know that you have given each person a measure of faith. So today we're hanging on. Even if somebody just has a little faith, I pray that you would honor it just like you did that father, Mark chapter nine, honor that little bit of faith. Because God, you can do the miraculous. You can do so much, Jesus. And we trust you that you are gonna do exactly what is your will in these situations. We're gonna give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. If you want to come forward, feel free to pray. We'll pray with you today. In Jesus' name. Tim Kim.